Gaming NBS episode 173 coming to you January 10th, 11th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. I probably sound like I smoke Lucky Strikes at this point. Brat, I've got he's po- back. I've, I've got con voice, man. He's it's from bad. the Evercon. Yeah, Evercon. <laughs> That's what he's been doing all weekend. That's why his voice yeah. is all cracked that, up. He's yeah. been hitting that that high note. Yeah, I'm like Dennis DeYoung. That's that's me right there. Evercon. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So yeah, Evercon happened this last weekend. It was freaking awesome, man. We had. Um, it's the best one we've had. We've had the best attendees numbers-wise. Um, I don't know the official count, but um, from a pure asses in seats doing some real gaming, it was the best one we've had. Last up, our team did great. Thank you, thank you. <coughs> I still have this horrible cough. Um, the last up, LARP team was awesome. The attendees were great. Some of our um, our staple folks were there that had told me, hey, I'm going to come and run games. So Corey Wynn came down and did that. His brother Dave, uh, their other brother came down too. I forget his name. He was there. Alex Cameron, of course, was there, ran some stuff. My buddy Lenny's running. Uh, Beta had, last year, he had four board game sessions that he'd set up. And because it was such a new new venue and everything, he had a lot of no-shows. You know, We're like, okay, we'll give it a shot, see how this year goes. He had full tables. Every, every time. Every time I turned around, the RPG area was loaded down. The Board games loaded down. Open gaming was full. Um, it was fun. It was really, really good. Really good. We had a um, lady came in. My wife was working the front desk because she's super helpful and wants to help with the gun. And she says, hey, I came here because of this podcast, Gaming Yes, That's crazy. It was awesome. And my wife goes, hey, that's my husband, Brett. Oh, cool. Nice to meet you, Susan. All great. And she goes, there he is. And she comes up to me. She says, Sean there? And I said, No. No, Sean, Sean doesn't love me anymore. We broke up. No, I didn't say that. I said, nope, Sean wasn't able to make it because he wasn't. But, and uh, she had some really good things to say about my opinion on uh, emergent character uh, backgrounds and used her really kick-ass um, Earth Dawn game that she's in as a very solid example of why I'm right and Sean is wrong. Um, the problem here is I can't quote my source because I'm a dumbass. In the middle of all the people I'm meeting and running and running, I cannot remember her name. So I'm she a complete she probably, li- she probably lives in the Niagara Falls area too, Brett. Niagara Falls? <laughs> that would be I don't odd. know why that reference comes into mind. There was a movie that somebody accused a young male teen something something, and then they, they the joke is that they have a girlfriend that lives in Niagara Falls. Oh. So the oh, joke yeah, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. they don't really exist, and I don't remember what movie – or character, or what it was. See that—that's my problem, right? Right. <laughs> I've yeah. got this really cool story. I've got a listener, and you know, her gamers are with her, and they're and they're back in my play. I right. can't name names because I forgot. Mm-hmm. I should have written it down. I am so sorry. So if after this horrible shitty apology, you hear this, and uh, if you would please write in and tell us who you were, are <laughs> you know like you stop being that person? Tell us who you are. Remind me, and I will apologize again next episode. But it was really cool. Um, we we had a number of faces when Alex was walking around after he, he got done running. <coughs> Damn, excuse me. I went through a dealer hall, does his thing. He comes back up. He says, "This is legit, dude." He said, "You've got some serious games." Some. Robotech going on, some first E, 2E stuff. He said, the guys running it know what the hell they're doing. So he said, the one gal down there is kicking ass running a 5E game. He said, this, you got some good games, you know. And he said, I'm seeing faces that I see at GameholeCon. And uh, I'm like, good. That made me very happy because I wanted to make sure that people from down there um, knew about it and came up. And we did have one game master from down there who happens to live not that far from Wausau who came here for the first time this year. His name is Aaron, and he had a great time. And uh, anyway, it was really, really cool. And uh, for those of you who came out, if I did not get a chance to say hi to you, or if you said hi to me, told me a great story, and I'm a douchebag, and I completely forgot your name, I am sorry. Um, but thank you to everybody who came down. I know Kevin drove all the way from the Twin Cities to come down. People came. Uh, Chris Steele, his lovely wife Cindy, and Josh, they were up. 
running games, having a good time. Um, they seem to have uh, a lot of good time. Sydney is such a hoot. I love that lady. She's so much fun. Chris's wife. Anyway, they uh, they were there. It was great. So, uh, yeah, it was just, I'm exhausted. I'm still so tired. We finished packing up today, and then I drove back home. So, anyway, it was great. Thank you, everybody, who came and helped us out. So, it was a lot of fun. Yes, I wish I had been there. I will regret it. Well, what what the good part is is that Sean should be coming to GaryCon with me this March, which means when you see Sean at GaryCon, you can give him shit for not helping me at EverCon. So there's always that upside from my perspective. Fair. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. fair. That's, That's fair. fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're glad that it went well and it went uh, without a hitch for the most part. For, yes. For all parts, actually. Not, not a hitch to be said about it. No. So, yeah. Okay. Well, great. It sounds like it's coming into its own. I think it is. And it made me pretty damn happy. So that was awesome. Right. Well, excellent, Brett. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to Random Encounter. Random Encounter. This is a segment of the show that you should know what we're talking about <laughs> by now. If, you, if this is your first episode... This is well, as abusive as we are to you. <laughs> you didn't start at one. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to start at one and work your way forward. Man, we Everybody knows used, that. We haven't used that one in a while. Well, it's a staple at this point. It's well known. However, it does it does do good to bring it up and remind people. Because some people are forgetful, like me, who I can't remember a listener's name because I'm an idiot. But right. All right, you start. So we have quite a bit of feedback from episode 172, You Meet in the Tavern. Uh, Jared Rasher on Google Plus comments... Uh, when you look at the actual media that informs D&D, meeting at a tavern is actually very much in genre. Conan hangs out in taverns. Fawford and the Gary Mauser have a favorite tavern where they are often found. And once they start, the story starts to pick up. Even the Lord of the Rings technically kicks into gear when the hobbits meet Strider in a tavern. Many people view D&D as heroic fantasy in general, but the actual media that informs it is actually part of a more narrow band where you actually have people that are proactive and motivated by getting rich and or famous. Being motivated by being rich and or famous may not speak to being motivated by moral issues, but being proactive speaks to jumping on a hook that might have some kind of payoff. Even Bilbo, who was a character that didn't have an adventuring background, decided to go on the adventure even though it didn't fit his background. If you made a character that isn't going to follow up on an adventuring hook, at the beginning of a campaign, you made the wrong character, and that's not the GM's fault. Sure, eventually a character that has played a few sessions might realize this isn't what this guy would be doing, but that's a character development, and that's something to discuss with the GM. However, the group really needs to have a session zero where they sit down and talk about the general tone of the campaign. If the Paladin is only going to go on missions where the fate of the world is at stake, has no reason to take a job as a caravan job, or to hang out in a tavern with his friends, that probably should have come up with you, have, with you, have your session zero, and the GM says, this game is going to be about general adventurers taking jobs, trying to get rich and spreading their names around the realm. The GM's job is to communicate the tone of the campaign. The players ignore that communication. That's not the GM's job. We see that, seem to spend a lot of time teaching GMs how to be better GMs, but we don't spend nearly as much time talking about how players can be better PCs. Preach it, brother! The GM isn't there to tailor everything to you. They are there to take things you feed the GM and use that to entertain everyone, including themselves. If you aren't feeding the GM anything, you aren't holding up your side of the equation. I have seen people criticize Fantasy Flight as putting out three Star Wars RPGs as a cash grab, but there's a lot of logic behind separating the core concepts of Star Wars the way they did. Having run Star Wars Saga games in the past, even saying you'll be working for the Old Republic doing missions generated a wide range of characters. I had a Jedi, smugglers, soldiers, and nobles, and I had to figure out why the smuggler was working for the Republic long-term, what kind of missions would keep the soldiers and Jedi busy while the noble did their thing, etc. Having the game split the way they were helps to set expectations and tone before you even have your session zero. Just, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there, Sean. I'm gonna stop you for a second. Yeah, that, by all means, dude. That Jared, man, that is probably I never thought of that for the fantasy flight three. I know I was one of those guys when we did our episode. I'm like, God damn, motherfuckers, why do I gotta buy three different games? Blah blah blah. But right there, that paragraph, I get it now. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's hard. That to absolutely did combine totally, all I, three. Yeah, I I grok this now. I get it better. Thank you. Well, and somebody will say, well, it's like episode four, man. Well, yeah, try to GM episode four. That's no small feat. Yeah. It's easy to GM episode four when you um, put a railroady script in front of them and say, look, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, Because Han would have probably left. Well, he would have probably taken Obi-Wan's freaking money, Ben Kenobi's money, ousted Luke Skywalker out the freaking air shaft, and, you know, that would have been it. And uh, sold Princess Leia to the highest bidder because, hey, I need the money. Job was on my ass. Anyway, carry on. Um, As an aside, what's my motivation seems to be a contagion once it gets going. I had this happen in a Pathfinder adventure path. The characters were told, you are in X region, and you should generally have a vested interest in keeping this region safe. As soon as one player wasn't sure how one of the major side quests tied into the main storyline, they asked that question. But as soon as they did, other players started to question that as well. The suspension of disbelief started to fall apart at that point, and it was even harder to recover. In that case, I'm not saying players should not question adventure components that they aren't enjoying. That said, if you are a player, I'd say that you should maybe ask the question outside of the session, ask it as a player, and not through the lens of your player character. Um, I'm not seeing how this ties into the overall story. I would be having more fun if I could see why our characters are doing this. Is a request that a GM can work with. My character wouldn't be motivated to do this is a roadblock that shuts everything down. Sometimes there might have been a bit of information that the GM forgot to provide, and you can flash back to what the PCs were to pick up on originally. Sometimes the disconnected section isn't going to last much longer, and the GM can shortcut to the thing the PCs were supposed to find. But making a statement that the adventure isn't working for your character is just throwing up a huge stop sign and pulling back the curtain on the campaign. Some GMs make mistakes. Some adventure paths start off strong and then have really weak connections later on. But the group is working together to have fun. It's not just the GM's job to make the campaign work, no matter what the expectations of the players might be. Dude, Rasher does not disappoint. <laughs> I mean, if, he, if he's going to write in and tell you something, he's not kidding. Well Served. thought out. That's, that is yeah. well done. I like it. Yeah, that. He, he posted that, and I'm like, that's lengthy, but very valuable and right on. And, it, and there is a debate. I played devil's advocate. Roger Braslett was in there, and I said, you know, hey – Here's what I'm thinking, and I just kind of threw them some curveballs. Not really, just to be antagonistic, but um, yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't know. I don't know who would. Oh, exactly. What? I mean, really? Dare. <laughs> uh, but yes. So I wanted to put Jared's feedback in there. But if you want to know some more feedback in that thread, um, agree or disagree with Jared, um, there's some definitely. Uh, folks, some more folks that have chimed in. Uh, but we continue on with feedback on that episode, Brett. Yeah. Do you want to? I, I can read more. You can read more. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas Hook, he came in and he gave us this one. <coughs> Let's get, excuse me. I feel a tavern or some place similar is a fine place to meet and start an adventure. A lot of the meeting places will greatly depend on the adventurer's tone. Some adventures need for the PCs to know each other from the start. Others won't make a difference. I start a lot of my quests I run at a jobs board with postings for adventures wanted or help needed. The players then read the board and go with, ooh, let's check uh, in this posting for a lost cat or gnomes missing from garden or whatever the hooks are. This may not work for all DMs as it can require a DM to have more than one adventure prepared or could be only the postings on the board or each hook seems different because all the clues given or the names of the people asking for help. What's really going on is each of the hook leads to the same main adventure but through different starting circumstances. Maybe the gnomes left the garden and kidnapped the cat for ransom. Obviously, not every adventure should start from a tavern, but it still works as a good starting point for many adventures. I think it works well with the West March's style of play. Thank you, Thomas. I thought I was just thinking that I was reading through here. 
and um, work with Westminster style play. Or it could work well for some low-level starts. I'm referring back to show 170. It could work really well for an emergent character creation adventure. As far as the player motivation goes, always feel for me at least the, quote, hey, someone else wants to DM, great, I'm in, unquote. As for PC motivation, by God, man, we're adventurers. Onward and upward. I know there needs to be depth to an adventure. This always adds to the feel and the fun. This can also come along the way. Uh, this is all. This can also come along the way, and is not necessarily a component needed at the start. Even a paladin will hire on as a caravan guard to cut the expenses of traveling. Sometimes passengers on a ship can accidentally slip and fall into an adventure. There's always lots to be said about what makes a good DM. But have you ever heard gamers go on and on about how crappy players can be? Mostly, I hear, "Oh, he's young, or he hasn't played much." It always seems like a group of players concerned about how poor the DM was, and never the group of DMs talk about how big a butt the player is. <laughs> I can only assume this is because players run in packs and DMs are mostly solitary creatures to help avoid this pack of complaining players. I feel communication to the players about the adventure is, is important in Session Zero. Even this may not help in the end. I remember Session Zero where I, felt, where I flat told the players that the adventure contained lots and lots of water. Our group still laughs about how no one in the party thought to get anything to deal with the water. Potion scrolls, not even a set of water wings, floaters, to blow up and put on their arms. <laughs> Needless to say, the party almost drowned more than once and were stopped by water obstacles on numerous occasions. So even despite our best efforts as DMs, some players just won't have fun. Thanks for another great show, Thomas. I think like anybody who's been in a game, as a player or a GM, uh, has seen that, gr- that person or that group around you that, like, I told you flat we were fighting ogres. Well, I just, you know, I didn't think we'd have to have any healing. It, what are you doing? You know, I told you it was going to be a combat-heavy, you know, middle-of-a-war thing. Oh, I thought that we didn't need a cleric this time. Or, yeah, we only have one stim kit. I think that'll be enough. I mean, it, you see it. It happens all the time. Steve Orlick emails us. I'm with Brett. Yay. Oh, 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 I was waiting for applause. We know who's in charge of the soundboard, um, yes. Steve. Yes, we do. I'm with Brad. I came to play a game. If we got to use a tired cliche, so what? Yeah, a tired cliche, Brett. You know, that's cool. Exactly. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> At some point in every game, there comes a point where it's ridiculous to think a person would continue doing the things they're doing. We're hunting a vampire lord. Seriously? Fuck that. I'm going to build a shack on the beach. Deuces. So what difference does it make? Play the damn game. Cool shit will happen. I love detailed backstories and deeply fleshed out characters, but I'm down to grab a pre-gen and meet in a tavern to get things rolling at any time. No issues at all. I think the problems with that approach stem from how long the players have been gaming. The old grognards who have seen and done it all are the ones typically against that type of thing. <clears throat> Ahem, Sean. Hee <laughs> <laughs> hee, Steve. Uh, you would think the seasoned players would also be more tolerant and understanding of it for that very reason, but that's rarely the case. They want something new. The old tropes just don't work anymore. Noobs are easy. They haven't been there, done that for decades, so they'll buy into anything. I guess maybe I'm rare. I want to play. I'm in a tavern and don't know anybody? Sweet. So what happens? Steve. Well, Steve, the DM punches you in the head. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just, just, just want to say I think uh, Steve Orlick is a scholar and a gentleman. Of course. And I, and I appreciate everything he has to say. I'm sure he's agreed with me somewhere. I at this he's, point, that doesn't matter. The past is the past. <laughs> now is now, Sean. Live in the moment. <laughs> Live in the moment. Whatever happened before has no bearing on what we was just said. So I still like Steve. Well, he doesn't like you. Oh, that's, that's, that's okay. What that's what I've been told. That's what that's I'm. That's okay though. I've been trained. <laughs> I, I've been trained to like people that don't like me. Uh, is that why you talk to me? Shit. <laughs> Brett. <laughs> Sorry. I really wanted to get to Evercon. I really, really did. Oh, oh man. Oh, right hey, there. Oh. Where is it? Wow. Gus sleeping over there in the corner again. Kick in the groin with that one. Damn. Last one, dude. Wrap it up. (coughs) Excuse me. I got me coughing. Hurt my feelings so bad. Uh, Mike Passwald came in and said, I think I always liked the idea of starting at an inn. I used to use that setup a lot, but I think I used it as a crutch for lack of better options and creative who's a what's it's. 
A simple inn is easy to describe and could just as well have been a battlefield, a marketplace, or a royal court if I had put some work into it. In a cursory listen, it seems like you two are in agreement that it's less important where the party starts, just as long as they care about it and what they're doing together. It's also good for the DM, GM, judge to make sure that everyone is on terms with the fact that the game is Dungeons and Dragons, not dickwads and douchebags. I've rambled enough. I hope this makes sense. Cheers, guys. Happy New Year, Mike. You know, Mike. Dickwads and douchebags. I'm gonna publish that game tomorrow. <laughs> I think it's got some. I got some. I think it's got some legs. Yeah, it's a bunch of guys I used to go to high school with. Anyway, <laughs> I think Mike, um, tongue in cheek there, right? Is with what Mike's saying is that. I think he's dead right. I mean, he kind of probably cut right through the BS to the heart of our discussion, which was, you know, it's not initially where they start, but, you know, get in get in the game type of thing. You know, are, you agree we're going to do this? Good, let's go and do it. And let's not mess about with that, with the rest of it. So I think that's, uh, I think that's important. Well, good, well learned lesson, Mr. Passwell. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, everybody who's written in, commented on that particular episode. We appreciate it. Um, very, very, very well to do. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the main topic, shall we? We shall. All right, Brett. What are we talking about this week, dude? <coughs> so after coming back from a convention and you've got a host of volunteers all doing stuff and helping out, well, let's talk about mooks and minions, man. <laughs> you're comparing your volunteers to mooks and minions, Brett? Well, they're critical. Wow. They, they are sure critical you're, components. I'm sure you're going to have a great turnout next they year. They are critical components, and they're required for any good adventure to take place, is what I'm telling you. Oh. Oh. So, this is, they're valued. They're valued. Yes. Here, go fall on that, would you? <laughs> How deep is that hole? Ah! You wouldn't last more than two hits. Sorry. I'm sorry about that. So. <laughs> we don't stat you out. Sorry. <laughs> When Sean and I were young gamers, the idea of mooks and minions, like in official capacity... Holy cow, I remember that, Brad. It wasn't a thing. I mean, we started, you know, there are minions, obviously, and so on, but this concept of having mechanics or the idea... I, I know 4th fourth e, fourth edition D&D had it, and I know Savage Worlds, when, I, when I've read that and I've played it a couple times, heavy into that as well, and plenty of other systems, just those two off the top of my head. Fantasy Fight Games, <clears throat> Thank Star you. Wars has minions and there's something to be said for how cool that can be however i also know that you know it's one of those things where do you need a rule for it and eh, not necessarily but the concepts behind the mechanics i think have some have some real value and i we might hit a couple of snags too because um i guess sean what why do you want to have mooks and minions i mean if do you is it just for cannon fodder is that the idea or what do you what do you use them for man just throw waves and waves of bad guys at the at the party. Just keep them going. It's like that. It's when you when you put that label on them. I think your point. I mean, you put the label on them. There's a band of mooks and here's a whole band of minions. I don't need to stat those guys out hardcore. They can be goblin one through goblin fifty. It, they all have the same stat. They all have the same hit points. It doesn't matter. I don't have to name them. You know, they're not like named NPCs or anything like that. Or any. There's really no individuality between them. They're like the same mini. Sitting on the table, you know. If you're if you're playing Dungeon World, everybody's got a name. So hey, just remember that Dungeon World GMs. No mooks or minions for you. If you're running mooks and minions and armies, everyone's got a name. Everyone's got a name. Everybody. Shit. Every, <laughs> where everybody has a name. Oh, do 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 do. <laughs> Some people that are a little younger are don't, like they don't know what, what Cheers is. What the hell is Cheers? All right, what are you talking about. So, Sean, do you? I know. Granted, in a game that system like Star, uh, da, 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 losing my mind, Star Wars, um, Savage Worlds, and so on, that have minion rules and mook rules. Do you use them? Oh yeah. Um, you found them to be effective and helpful, or do the players just go, ah, they're mooks and minions? How annoying and stupid. Well, I think in those games. They have rules for them because they play a role in the game, and I I will be I will elaborate. Yes, please do. So when you, you know, Savage Worlds' theme is fast, furious, and fun. Yes. So it gives the players a chance to, you know, slice and dice, go through uh, a woods and slaughter ten goblins at a time very quickly without getting bogged down with the rules of combat, right? So if you're taking a different game, 
that may be a little more tactical and those are specked out and they have hit points and armor and maybe they have certain movement. Some of that may slow things down a little bit. Okay. So Savage Worlds, it's you're kind of immersing the player character in a fight that may be a bit of a challenge, but they get their, their high off of smashing faces and being very effective. Maybe running, run, maybe those minions and mooks are in the way of you getting to the big bad, or the big bad is commanding the minions and mooks, and maybe some of those minions and mooks may put the hurt on you if they come in bigger quantities. Star Wars, it's like, I mean, the, the most infamous one is the Stormtrooper. Well, I think the, um, well, because it can't hit anything? Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that was all planned. That was all, I know, I've read that. and that, all, that's, It was all planned. Because it... In some other movies, they hit everything pretty pretty well. Jawa, they shoot a Jawa blindfolded. Apparently, um, right. Anyway, I think one, a piece you said there is important to me because when I first read this and I've talked to people about it, I have had players say, "So they're of no threat. Why do I care?" I'm like, "No, the if you have yeah. mooks and minions, how even if you so let's say you don't have they're still shooting at you. Yes, and they need to be able to cause serious like threatening damage." You have they have to be a thing you must deal with, right? Having just a pile of mooks, you're like, I'm going to walk through them, otherwise it's no good. Yes. Well, and with the Star Wars piece is it's the strength of the minions are based on the numbers. Oh, so so a thousand right. of them versus five of them. Correct. So the more minions you have in the Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games rule set, the uh, more potent they get i guess or they get bumped up so for example okay quick overview some of you have played so just forgive the the side tangent but when you're in star wars ffg you have say three green dice right they're all d8s those are positive and then you have difficulty which are purple and they're eight d8s as well when you get more minions say for example one maybe this is an example this is not verbatim but say you have one stormtrooper they may get two green dice to be to roll as a positive die roll. Okay. I should say positive for them. And if they have two, then you may get three green dice. And if they have three, you might have two green dice and a yellow D12 die. And then if you get four, you might have two yellow and a green. And then if you get five, you may have three yellow so as yellow is a D12, you have chances of hitting better, right? So as the minions increase, their chances of being more effective increase as well. The thing that's cool with that is it's not a – it's not like a minigame where well, – maybe minigame is the wrong term. But I remember in 1st E, 2nd E, 3rd, and Pathfinder, and I I think it was in – I can't, I don't know if it's in 5th or not, but they used to have the overbearing rules, right? Hmm. We could have a mob of kobolds could kick the shit out of a paladin, a 15th level paladin, if they just gang-tackled him. You know, at a certain point, you could just wear him down or whatever. And there tended to be kind of a separate grappling rules type of thing. <clears throat> what we're seeing here is this type of mechanic, which I think is really cool, is using the existing stuff, saying all you have to do is add this die. For every X number of these dudes, throw in some bonus dice and pow they become more dangerous than something that the players actually have to worry about. As opposed to saying, okay, I know I have to use the overbearing, super kick-ass grappling rules. And again, I'm probably making it more complicated than it really is or was. But I like the approach of having this type of mechanic. And even if it's something that your current game system doesn't have, stealing that idea I think would be would be really cool because it doesn't hurt you a lot <coughs> Excuse me, from having to learn something new. Like, okay, oh, just so you players realize... We're going to be using the special kobolds crawl up your, you know, up your tunic and, and drag you to the ground rules. We'll be using, because there's so many of them, they get a plus 10 to hit. Holy crap, yeah, I roll a whole bunch, they just get a plus 10, I get to distribute as I need. Oh, wow, yeah, it makes sense, there's a bunch of them. It's a mechanic that is baked into what is already happening, and it's very simple. Or like, in, the, in this case, for the FFG stuff, is you know, adding the extra kick-ass dice to it. Makes sense. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's an it's it's called upgrading okay. dice, right? Because it kind of has that that method. But that's baked into the rules. Now, I think you, I agree with you, Brett. The only downfall to that is you get some people that, well, if you play FFG Star Wars, that's the deal. 
I mean, you read the book, that's how they run. If you play 5e and you implement such a rule, some players may get turned off by it because then they're kind of, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. Yeah. Where's where's this shit coming from? I think if you do that, you do it with a smaller group first. It's kind of like that test run. Like, hey, six of these guys jump you. Because there's more than five, they get a bonus. Oh, really? Yeah, if there were ten, the bonus would be twice as much. Oh, good to know, Sean. I'll keep my eyes open because it could get ugly then. You know, it's not like an overbalance, immediately overbalancing situation where like, fucking hey, you know, it's not going to elicit the huge, or shouldn't hopefully elicit the huge, you know, table flipping moment. A thing you said yeah. there about es- dice escalation makes me, and I would need to reread my DCC rule, combat rules, and see if there's something in there around this too. But they have a die chain, you know. Yes, they do. You start with your D3, move up to a 30 sider. So it could be as easy as, hey, there's 20 of these little, you know, monster men that are charging at you. They all get to use the D24 to hit you. Oh, and when they go down to only 10, they got to go back to a D20. And when they're down to five, they got to use a 14 or right. something like that, where they get, they start at a certain number and then they de-escalate or escalate up as the numbers, pretty, as the numbers happen. I agree. The only thing I would, I would be concerned with is if you're like specifically 5e, is you I don't think you can take, like, say a regular goblin, mm-hmm. whatever. Say you're third level, and you throw a bunch of goblins, fourth level, fifth level, say fifth, and you throw a horde of goblins at somebody, their stats don't scale the same way, right? So if you take one goblin, I guess technically it's still kind of a plebe compared to a fifth level person. or, But if you scale the player character down, they're not less uh dangerous so i would be i would you know what i'm saying no, I, I do get what you're saying i think the other component to this too is that uh thing i really liked <coughs> for like for speed of combat with um 13th age does this i think 5e does too i tend not to use the average damage like hey they hit you oh, for five as... points they hit you for six points oh, right um, you're rolling every time yeah i tend to roll every time because right. that's just habit sure. another thing to do would be for mooks Use a standard damage, right? Based on the number of them. So if they normally attack on a, on a D8, and you say they do four points of damage on average, great. Right. There's twenty of them. They do eight points of damage on average. There's fifteen of them. They do six points, or some kind of a de-escalating just based on numbers. Again, it's not the end of the world because they're mooks. They don't have a lot of hit points. The player should be just fucking chopping through them, and their numbers should go down pretty quick. They're dangerous at first, which makes you want to deal with the numbers. And get the numbers down smaller so they're at a lower average damage. Just a thought. I have n- I've never play tested that idea. It just came to me now, so I don't know if it. So works. I think it's not a bad idea and a bad approach. I think it would have to be tested out to see mm-hmm. how that scales. Right. I mean, if you take, I mean, what does that balance look like? Right. Because because D and D goes by a CR. So, you know, if you take, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not. What a, is the so, goblin? Well, I was going to say, what is the goblin? A, a, a one eight, a one half CR, something maybe? like that. Yeah, right. One. I mean, I'm not so, even a huge balance guy, but I don't. The last thing you want to do is accidentally TPK the people because, boy, this sounds like it'd be fun, and you just fucking slaughter the hell out of everybody. Like, wow, I didn't realize Jawas could do that. <laughs> you got dead Jedi all over the place, Utini. You know what the hell right. just happened? Yeah, you don't. You don't want to do that and go. Wow, I didn't mean to do that, guys. I'm sorry, TPK. But then again, some people are like, too fucking bad. Rules are rules. You know, I don't know. That's true. I get what you're saying, though. That does, I mean, and it is something I think that's where I feel the concept of, hey, do it with a, a mob of five or ten that the players could normally mop up pretty easily, you think? Or I, I don't know. Just start with a low number, throw it at them. After the combat's done, think, talk with the players and say, okay, let's extrapolate that. And if I use that same mechanic, and if there are 20 of them, what would you have done? We got fucking run in terror. That's too many. Well, maybe that's okay. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I think with, I think with D and D specifically, or any other game that doesn't incorporate a minions or mooks kind of approach, then you have to be careful of the. Of you don't have to be careful of balance because you could give a shit. Right? <laughs> but that's. The games that have it built in, like Savage Worlds and Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, or even Genesis, I guess for we could start mentioning that game system since that's what the Star Wars FFG is based on. Mm-hmm. 
they they have it built into that. So it's already, you know, if you got 10 and they've got this, you know, amount of dice pool and same with Savage Worlds, they're, you know, they're down, out, whatever, no wounds. Mm-hmm. You, you hit them, they die, they're off the board. It's, it's kind of the way built into the game, I guess is what I'm saying. So if you if it's not, then you have to be careful of what's the side effects. Yeah, because, I mean, the... The idea of mooks and minions is basically, and we I think we may have failed to fully identify what the hell we're talking about, as is usual at the top of this. But the point is that these are hordes or small groups of, you know, innocuous yet dangerous type of um, innocuous insofar as you don't have to know who they are. They're just like that. When the, when, you know, when the cultist, you know, on the moon of Endor says, get them, you know, you're just like, oh my God, it's these, these things are charging at me. I have to take care of it. It's. Tons of skeletons that the um, that the necromancer is is using to to attack the party or whatever, and I think um, <clears throat> I think you're right. And this is one of the reasons why some of these systems have them that they have the uh, um, you know, building the mechanic into it. And I guess what I'm saying is that if you don't have it, and you say you really like five E, I've not read all of the different. I have read the entire five E system cover to cover. However, it doesn't mean I remember every freaking rule within it. So I'd have to go back and tear into it. If somebody has read it and goes, yeah, dude, there's totally minions and mooks rules, and they're, they're on page, you know, 524 or 250 or whatever, that'd be great to know. But if you don't have it in your game of choice, I strongly suggest, this is one of the reasons why I like to buy new systems, is to pick out nuggets that would be helpful to use in another game. I'm not necessarily looking to have uber balance and everything, because, again, I don't really fucking care about balance to a point. But just having a mechanic that you <clears throat> that is consistent is the more helpful com- is the more helpful piece of it, right? So you're gaming and you're going along, and say, hey, every time we run into this type of you know minion scenario in this dungeon of undead, we use this type of mechanic, and that just helps everybody plan and understand what's going on. And the whimsical, what the hell are you doing to me, is held <laughs> held within reason as opposed to just being the capricious will of an angry god who's drunk on scotch or whatever. You're Drink of choice happens to me. So, is there? So, Sean, let me think about this. When I first read them, um, I thought, man, that just seems like a whole lot of waste, right? <clears throat> From a table perspective, tons of things just for the party to have to wade through to get to the end. Whenever I've mentioned this in the past, I've had other players and game masters say, no, 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 that's like a staple of the environment. You no, know, Conan hacking his way through hordes, and what fighter wouldn't want to just barrel through a bunch of stormtroopers to get to the end of this thing. You know, what Jedi wouldn't want to, you know, why wouldn't Vader want to just beat the shit out of a whole bunch of rebels and just fuck up everything? You know, think how cool that is. And I think that's okay to a point, but I don't, it feels like it, that would get kind of dull to me after a while. If every time you turned around, you know, you were just wading through mobs and mobs and mobs. Again, overuse of that cliche is probably the problem there, but I don't... Do you, When you have done it in Savage Worlds or, or in, in Star Wars and stuff with the MOOC rules, do you ever get any like blowback or anything from players like that wasn't that fun? It was just annoying? Uh, no, because I think they fall pretty quickly. <clears throat> okay. And I think as long as you're not putting 20 at a time on the table... Fair enough. I mean, and, and if you do it in maybe a couple different waves... So, I mean, you could do... You know, five stormtroopers, and then maybe five more come around the corner, and they could combine fire, maybe aim. But if they, if you start taking shots, they're gonna fall pretty quickly. Yeah. And same with Savage Worlds. I mean, you're talking like one hit and done, if that. You know, I mean, for the most part. I guess does so, the one hit and done is that boring though? Has anybody said well, that's just dull? Bang! He's done. Great. I'll waste fifty bullets, or I'll shoot. I'll shoot twenty of them. Let's just get this done, and we'll fight the bad guy. I think if you have a certain amount, so if you have five, and you're you're a player character, and say you got a machine gun, and you can do a rapid fire, uh, you may take a a couple points, you know, after the second and third round or the second and third shot, but you could potentially waste three guys in one. Okay, one yeah, sh- all right. One go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's that. kind of like, hey, I pop up, bap, 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 bap. okay, boom, 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 you knock three three guys down. Okay, yeah, that, all right. That, that can be kind of fun, but if it's if it's like a horde, 
where you're playing D&D, like Doc's campaign, we were part of a, like a battlefield. Yeah. Right. And so we would go and they would have, he would have some pretty big beasties, mm-hmm. maybe the, they're trolls, right? Big trolls. So we would focus in on the big troll or the big bad commander while the hordes of goblins and mm-hmm. orcsuses are handled by quote unquote, the rest of the forces. And so if there were things that were let kind of things we got through, he just hand waved it like, okay, there's 10 goblins. You guys waste them, blah, blah, blah. And you make your way to here. See, so I think sometimes the hand waving is <clears throat> some people are like, Oh no, I want to, I want to kill them. And okay, fine. We can go back and run that. If you know your players, you know the table real well. You can kind of pick the time to hand wave it. And maybe that's the answer to Brett's, it does, does this get boring? If the players probably go, yeah, fine, I'll shoot another five. All right, cool. You shoot those five, the other ten, you know, you, it'll just two more rounds are all dead. Now let's fight the bad guy. If you are reading the table appropriately, once they, if boredom hits in, or like, oh, my God, I'm tired of bap, 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 shooting five mooks every round. Can I please hit the fucking dude in the armor, you know? Maybe that's the time to to pull the hand wave out because that's that's not a bad option either. And, yeah, okay, I get it. So that makes sense. You know, if you start to sense the boredom or like, hey, this isn't, it was fun for a while, but I'm, I don't want to fight that many mooks, you know, round by round, you can do something GM fiat and say, well, you're going to get through it based on how you've been progressing, so let's just march past it, kind of get to the exciting bit. Well, or you could do it as a a relatively, like, a, a skill cha- uh, skill challenge. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the D&D world and you want to take a mass battle type, I'm sure there's mass battle rules we're not touching on. But regardless, if you were to say, okay, I need you to make three rolls and use a particular skill, skill, ability, whatever, that's going to get you past a particular objective. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're the rogue and you're an assassin and you are taking out key spearheaded whatever yeah. and you you make a couple rolls okay you win you you know you pay it, you succeeded you failed the next player you do the same thing then after that's done you build you sum up what had taken place based on the results and failures of the group yeah okay so <clears throat> maybe the assassin rogue was responsible for x and he didn't complete their objective and the mage was supposed to be tasked with why, but they and they did succeed at their objective. So all in all, what happened? Did the big bad get away? Maybe they got to the big bad, but they're still hordes and hordes of army. Maybe their flank is still cut off, and that's impacts the supply route, right? So you you sum up kind of what the issues are. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Like Doc. Doc. With his mass battles, and I know we're kind of starting to get into mass battles. No, I mean, and that's, and when, that's the piece, though, right? Is when you get to mooks and minions, there's a certain point, you know, define a mass battle. I don't know, 10, right. 10 people aside, 20, 100 people aside. I don't, I, you know, where do you draw the line? The point is that mooks and minions are kind of a, a mass battle um, simplifier. Sure. Right? The idea is, like, get them out of their a speed bump. It's like a trap in a dungeon hall, right? Very few characters completely die when they fall down a 10-foot pit. You know, fifth little character goes, whack, god damn it, get me out of here. Right? It's a pit trap. It's a boulder trap. Right. It's whatever. It's poison. Fuck, it's annoying. It's a resource drainer. So they're designed to drain a little bit of resources, even if it's nothing but time. We have to knock them aside, quote-unquote, wasting that turn to get rid of those minions so then you can finally get to the bad guy. So, Yeah, and that's one way to do it. And then, you know, with some of those, like, you know, Dak would just get us into whatever key element of the battle it would be. Okay. Right? So some of that stuff's kind of, I wouldn't say fluff, but it's it's to p- provide a bit of environment. So when you're looking at across the battlefield and you see all these ranks of... Mooks, you minions, you just slaughter to get baddies. there. Yeah, you, you eventually get there. Maybe it takes you so long, but you eventually get to where you need to go. And in so doing, you've killed, you know, you've got a trail of waste behind you because you've gone through. I mean, you're freaking, 
That guy from Gondor. You're a hero, man. A hero. A hero. A hero. Well, cool. I think we I think we drained that one pretty well. Oh, well, we don't need to go any further on that one. All right. I'm good. If you use mooks or minions, obviously we mentioned the kind of rule set. Who? First of all, what other rule set provides mooks and minions? I'm sure the DMG's got alternative rules for covering mooks and minions. Yeah, hell, um, Volo's Guide may have them in there too, and I just haven't gotten through that yet to piece all the chunks out. And if you're doing it, or if you've homebrewed it, you know, what have you used that's really worked well? Or how have you modified or Hey, I stole this and used it in this game system. It seems to be universally decent for, for me. That would be good to know, too. And um, <clears throat> I'm also really interested to see what your players have from a feedback perspective. My crew doesn't seem to mind them too much. Um, I hear talk from people I run into. Yeah, my players are, eh, as a player, I don't like that concept. I hear from some old grognards and such. I don't know if that's an actual thing or if it's just people being contrary while I was talking to them over beer. So I'm wondering if anybody doesn't like the idea or anything like that. It'd be cool to hear any and all sides to the sucker. So sweet. Yeah. Let us know. Listen. You know the deal. Absolutely. All right. Getting into die roll. Die roll. I'm, Ever gone. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I got nothing. All right. I will start Go then. Go do it. Call Cthulhu, scientists track new species of largest octopus. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I don't know why we get so much Call of Cthulhu <laughs> inspiration and neither one of us. I love, are, I run Call of Cthulhu. I know, I know you do. I don't. Yeah. I actually, yeah. Kevin got hooked me up with a, um, with a copy of the, yeah, of the Call of Cthulhu, the, the Keeper's book. So I got to parse through that sucker. The seventh ed? Yeah. Forrest the Gary says it's the best iteration yet. I know, and Forrest is no slouch when it comes to games. So no, I and think Kevin and Cthulhu. Kevin isn't called Cthulhu for nothing. So he goes, I like it. I'm like, all right, all right, I gotta give the sucker a look. I thought he was just a cult member. That too, but okay. anyway. Uh, second one, Axe Bane's deck of many dungeons. Deck of many dungeons. Yeah, this is over a game crafter. Game crafters here in town, but um, obviously gamers who want to bring together their own product they help with that but it's really freaking cool i think it's a fifth i don't know if it's 52 cards i mean it's like 54 i'm looking at it right now is it with two jokers right backed with illustrations full color deck of 54 cards can journey over 1 million different dungeons it's pretty freaking cool cool. and it's like 15 bucks it is 15 bucks yeah i mean i may get a deck just i mean they're the reviews on them like are all five star on that site and what you do is you like what are they called geomorphs? Yeah, they're, so they're, each edge. Yeah, they're dungeon geomorphs, and they're regular playing yeah. card size. You've got like a four of clubs, ace of diamonds, and you uh, lay them together and you follow the dungeon map. Holy crap! I love this stuff. And I stuff. think it includes, and I think it includes the description to each card. Yeah, so like so the, each... <clears throat> this one, monsters D six plus PCs level none, one drogar, uh, one carrying crawler per PC, bugbear chief, got a little arrow to where it would be, smells none, burnt meat, urine, rotting flesh, quest ideas. Monsters, where they put them next to the pit traps. Damn. That's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, my last one. Tabletop gamers are exploding on Kickstarter. <laughs> Not gamers. Games. We don't want gamers to explode on Kickstarter. Yeah. That would be bad. Be very bad. But uh, video games are flat. So it's an article by Charlie Hall. It's an, an observation. Uh, we had an individual at Gamehole Con two years ago, I believe now. Maybe a year ago, uh, he was from Forbes, and he was specifically there for Game Crafter. Yes, he was. he was. And he was giving a talk about, like, he, he and I were engaging in a discussion about why tabletop games are kicking so much ass on Kickstarter. Like, the percentage of games, tabletop-wise, that fund are like nothing else on there, at least in the gaming sphere. And and he was like, "Why do you think that is?" I'm like, "Man, I don't know." Gamer- Video games are expensive, first of all. Gamers are awesome. You're just a loser suit from Forbes. Fuck off. Did you tell him that? I mm, maybe not. No, that, I I don't recall. <laughs> you, I might have. <laughs> if you get a, if you see me at GaryCon this year, ask me <laughs> ask me what why I'm making that joke right now. Anyway. Oh, you ask you no, ask me. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll oh. tell you. Anyway, carry okay. on. Uh, that's all I got for die roll this week. We got one from Corey Wynn, don't we? 
Corey Wynn, yeah. yeah, man. He he doesn't give us too many die rolls, and he specifically emailed us. I think his subject line was die roll thingy. <laughs> I love Corey. He's so fun. Um, so RPG Net looks back at 2017. Uh, it's just kind of like, you know, year in review type stuff, which is classic to do at this point. Last year, Sean and I did a, hey, what do you want to accomplish and so on. And this year we thought, eh, well, maybe people don't care what we want to do. Let's just keep doing what we normally do and see what happens. But anyway, there's a whole lot of um, just stuff listed out there. Things that are out, uh, products and all sorts of cool stuff. So another good link. Thank you very much, Corey. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. All right, Brett, <sighs> what in the hell are we talking about next week? I don't know. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I wasn't positive what I would come back with would something hit me inspirationally from the con or whatever. <coughs> and I'm thinking about another chunk of the player series after the conversation we had earlier today. So I think I'm going to dig into our player series bag and pull something out there. So it'll be another installment along those lines. Sounds fantastic. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Gaming in BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. I'm Brett. Good night and good game, all. This episode of Gaming in BS brought to you with the help from the following listeners. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Palladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, the Lost Sailor, Todd McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Drescher, Wiss Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tosaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Blake Ryan, Chad Glamon, Sky, Roger Braslett, Evan Harrison Cass, Craig, Howard Bishop, Christian Sexy Voice Surrounds, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Scannis, and the Knights of the Night crew. Consider heading over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us for ways to support the show. Thanks, listeners. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.